now this is recording. RTI International Center for Forensic Science presents Just Science. Welcome to Just Science, a podcast for forensic science professionals and anyone who is interested in learning more about how real crime laboratories work. In this season, we will cover content given at the NIJ Forensic Technology Center of Excellence's Impression Pattern and Trace Evidence Symposium. In episode four of the IPTI season, Just Science interviews Andrew Kimball, a student from Albany State University. Mr. Kimball explains his research in how incorporating statistical models in forensic shoe print analysis can assist in identification. This episode shows how a young forensic professional is finding his own path along with aiding others in his community. This season is funded by the National Institute of Justice's Forensic Technology Center of Excellence. Here's your host, Dr. John Morgan. And welcome to Just Science, the podcast for forensic science professionals. I'm John Morgan, your host. Uh, we're uh, here at the Impression Pattern Trace Evidence Symposium on January 23rd, uh, 2018. And we're talking on today's podcast with Andrew Kimball III from Albany State University. Uh, Andrew is a uh, young forensic science major uh, in his senior year at Albany State University. And you have plans to uh, work with the FBI in their crime scene? Yes, unit? sir, I sure do. I sure uh, do. Tell me about that first. Okay, so I actually graduated this upcoming May. Okay. Hallelujah. And yeah, you're ready for that. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, that's my dream is to work with the FBI. So my plan is to apply for jobs and see where that takes me, get my experience up, and, you know, just let it go from there. Okay. Albany's in Georgia? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Albany, Georgia. Because there's a couple of Albany's out there. Albany, yes. Albany State <laughs> University, uh, though, is Georgia. <laughs> yes. Uh, did you grow up in Georgia? Or? No, I actually still live in New York. I um, go to Albany. You um, like to go different Albany's. Do you live near <laughs> Albany in New York? Or are you no, in a different um, place? I was born in Manhattan, but then um, we moved out to Long Island. I still live in Long Island with my family. Okay. So I actually have family in Georgia. So that helped me make my decision to attend Albany State University. Do they have a big forensic science program at Albany yes, State? Yes, they are the only accredited forensic science program in Georgia. Okay. So that's a huge plus. So they're under the FEPAC, the Forensic Education Program Accreditation Commission, FEPAC accredited. Yep. Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, yes, so, yes. That's, uh, so your work has been in the statistical characterization of forensic shoe print analysis. Is that right? Yes. So why shoe print analysis? Why did you get into that? Okay, so it was last spring semester before school let out. My professor had an internship for me. He asked, would you be interested in, you know, working with CSAFE, which is the Center of Statistics and Applications and Forensic Evidence? Right. I was like, sure. So they reached out to me. I filled out the application. I got accepted. They paid for my travel, paid for everything. I flew down. I was working with them for the whole summer. And that was really what my research focus was on. Was now, CSAFE is at Iowa State or were you yes. some? Okay. I, I, Iowa State. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of corn out there, <laughs> but there's a lot of, lot of statistical research going on at, yes, at Iowa yes, State yes, as yes. well. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very different, but I, I enjoyed my time. I met a lot of amazing people. I actually still keep in contact with some of my coworkers, mm -hmm. great people. So you did the project in shoe print at Iowa State? Yes. Okay. So tell me how that worked. What were you looking at with respect to the statistical value of shoe print? 
Okay, so CSAFE's goal is, you know, statistical backing when it comes to forensic evidence because there's really not a lot of accurate information when it comes to getting the right people for the right crimes. So CSAFE's goal is to make sure that the right people get arrested for the right crimes and not the wrong people. Of course. That was the focus. So they didn't have a statistical model for dealing with shoot for evidence. So we was really the foundation of it starting. We know it's going to take time to develop, but I feel like we was the start of it growing and developing. I mean, that's a big task. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> How do you start such a big task? What are the steps? Okay, so we first had five different types of shoes, and then we used their shoe scanner. So we had the five different types of shoes, and each shoe was scanned five times for a total of 100 scans. And once we had our shoe scans, we placed them into a computer program called R Studios, in which we were able to crop the um shoe scan, turn it grayscale, and able to find the who moments. And who moments are summary points in the shoe scan, which are invariant to scale rotation and translation. And they're like eight distinctive points in the shoe scan. Sure. And once we had that, we had our interpretation of what we was trying to go through with it. And once we had that, we were able to turn those who moments into data visualization, which we was able to make scatter plots, cluster plots, and help distinct between which shoe belonged to which subject mm -hmm. and the wear and tear of the shoe as well. These were shoes not right out of the box. These were shoes that had gotten some wear. Yes. Some shoes were fairly newer than others, but mm. not too new. There wasn't a lot of wear and tear on them. Sure. So there's, you know, I'm going to oversimplify, I'm sure, but there's basically... <laughs> Two different kinds of things that can be used to distinguish shoes, right? One is the wear marks, which are yes. characteristic and obviously are less persistent. And then the other is things like, well, you step on gum, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which is yes. more persistent and also <laughs> tends to be more unique, right? It's also easier to do. So you looked at both those kinds of data? Yes, most definitely. With that, we always look at the pattern under the shoe because each shoe has a distinctive pattern with it. Some shoes do have the same pattern. For example, Vans or Converse, they do have the same patterns under the sole of the shoe. So it's easier to distinct which shoe belongs to which, depending on if the heel of the pattern is, you know, fading away or like the pattern is almost gone completely. Sure. Yes. Right, right, right. I guess there are two different things you can look at, too, in terms of the question. You can say, well, what what brand of shoe and type of shoe is it? And then was it actually uh, worn by Andrew Kimball or not, right? <laughs> or John Morgan, I don't know. And so your project was really trying to look at it that specifically in terms of trying to individualize the shoe at that level, not just what type of shoe. Yes, just to make sure if you do find a shoe at a crime scene, you can cross-reference it with the shoe already in your database and mm -hmm. see, okay, this print seems familiar. Let's cross-reference it with our data set that we have already with the shoe prints we found from previous crime scenes, and let's see if they match with one another. And that's where the statistical model comes in, in which we was able to take like 10% of our shoes and test and train, and our model came out to be 90% accurate. Mm -hmm. it, it, even though it was a relatively small data set, it's, it proved that it can work if you had a larger data set, if you had a million shoes, it's possible that it can actually cross-reference with what you already have in your database. So it's interesting. I mean, I guess you probably didn't have the time to look at this, but I've always been, I've always wondered just how persistent shoe marks are. Mm -hmm. And uh, because those wear marks, I, you know, must change pretty rapidly yes. uh, over time. Were you able to look at that at all? No, not really. With the shoes, 
we could tell like they was um not fairly new or fairly up to date. They mm -hmm. was um like I said, they've been worn a lot or like they haven't been worn enough. So sure. it was easier to distinct which shoe was fairly new or which shoe was fairly old. So how do you say hue moments or who moments? Who moments? <laughs> okay, yeah. Were you able to determine which ones were most distinct? Did the algorithms understand, say, hey, that's a really unique thing there, but this isn't quite as unique a, a who moment? Yes. Some of the scans, one of the points will usually be at the heel of the sole and the others will be at the top of it. Mm -hmm. And usually the one point will be fairly larger than the other due to the fact of the wear and tear of the shoe. Because if you see the scan, there's barely any pattern on the bottom of the heel of the sole of the shoe. But when you look at the top of it, the pattern is clear as day and you can see everything unique about it. There's no noise, but there's more clarity to it. You have several different approaches you yourself can take here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so you want to become a crime scene or a uh, forensic examiner yourself. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're interested in the research, but not as a career. I wouldn't mind it. I would love to. I mean, you know, just to gain that experience, to gain the knowledge, you know, it will help me along as my way to reach my career goal. I wouldn't mind it. Best practitioners are the ones who actually work with the research community. Yeah. I think you'll find that, yeah. that I mean, we, uh, we've generally had a lot of guests here where uh, folks who are uh, very deep into forensic examiner, mm -hmm. the practice, even adopt researchers saying, hey, you know, I've got this problem. Like, how good is my footwear uh, identification? Mm -hmm. And they do an enormous amount of good because you get a practical sense, I think, in a way yeah. that uh, the researchers sometimes miss. That was my first research ever, like dealing with research or anything. That was my first research. And I think what made my first research experience very memorable and enjoyable was the people I was working with. Sure. And the guidance and the mentorship that I had. So I wouldn't mind doing it again. I would actually love to do it again if I can, if an opportunity does come. Sure, sure. I hope it does. So how many students are there at Albany State doing forensic science right now? I don't have an accurate number. I would say it's roughly about, I would say 100. Sure. I would say 100 because mm -hmm. um, the campus holds like 5,000 to 6,000 students. Sure. So, yeah. So sure, I was, it's a pretty, I big, about, pretty big college, but that's cool. It's feedback accredited, like we said. Have you had to do a lot of statistical um, coursework? No. When I actually went there... Well, like one week was just dedicated to just statistics, just learning. Mm -hmm. Another week was just to learning about the computer program we're going to be using. Sure. But back at Albany State, I only took one research statistics course, and that was it. Sure. That was just it. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's interesting because that's true. I mean, the feedback guidelines, maybe it needs to be updated. Do you feel like uh, as an undergraduate, you should have, uh, have been required to do more statistical work now that you've been through Iowa State's program? Yes, because I feel like... If you're going to keep going to that direction with more statistical background learning, I feel like the student that's in that curriculum should learn more about statistics and what more and more in depth of what it has to offer because the class I took with just learning mean, meaning, and mode wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. And then going to Iowa and learning all this other information that I'd had no clue about, mm -hmm. it was just so overwhelming. But it was very informative, very informative. I would say I learned more more statistics now, and I'm grateful for that. Okay. Were you able to go to any of the workshops or anything like that? There this was a is, footwear workshop, you know. I, this is actually my first major conference. Is it? Yes, this is my first. This is a great place to come then as your first major conference. Yes, yes. I've enjoyed the workshops I've been to, just talking to the different people. I actually met an ASU alumni the other day. 
Okay. And I didn't, I didn't know. My professor, he's actually here too, Dr. Umi. He introduced me to him. It's really nice. I'm having a great time here. That's fantastic. Really That's fantastic. So, uh, and, and of course, we have two plenaries on statistical methods and approaches in forensic science. Oh, yes. And we're actually going to be podcasting from both of them. Oh, wow. And, uh, and our listeners can be looking for that. What do you think we should be doing to encourage young folks to be uh, pursuing a forensic science career and getting educated in that area? Okay, well, I would first tell them, don't believe television. <laughs> <laughs> Do not, enough, yeah. do not believe television. So now our tagline for Just Science, for forensic science professionals, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean other folks can't listen in. Anybody yeah, can listen in. Most definitely. But we try to get outside of that kind of popular view of forensic science. This is about the nitty gritty here. Right? Yes. So that's good. Okay. That's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, just give it a try because mm-hmm. actually coming into Albany State, I was actually a business major. Really? And going on a tour of the campus and actually talking to one of the forensic science professors, it was actually Dr. Uman that actually influenced me to change my major and to become a forensic science major. So I would say just give it a shot. Talk to people that's in the major or in that college to see like what is it about, what does it have to offer, like what great experiences can you learn, what can you grow from um, being a forensic science major, the opportunities that's out there for you. So do you, uh, so I know you, you, you want to work for the FBI. Yes. You want to go straight to Quantico? And because uh, that's where the FBI lab is. I don't know. I'm going to have to get you a chance to tour the FBI lab. Yes, I would love to. I plan to do a lot of traveling once I graduate, mostly to different crime labs and see uh-huh. like how the gist of everything is. Mm-hmm. So that way I can be familiarized with everything when it's time for me to get me a job or sure. a job opportunity comes, you know, I'll be... I'll be familiarized and, and kind of comfortable with what lies in front of me. So you don't want to go back to New York? Oh, no, I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's I plenty do. of crime there, unfortunately. Yes, mm-hmm. it, yes, there really is. It's, it's sad, but that's home. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love New York. I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Is Manhattan home or is Long Island home? In, Manhattan. In your, in, your, in, your, in your heart, I'm saying. Or is Georgia becoming home? <laughs> I don't know. Georgia's Georgia, on your mind. I, I, I will say Georgia's my second home. Sure. New York will always be my first home. Manhattan has my heart. Long Island has my soul. Okay. <laughs> Long Island has my soul because mm-hmm. that's Long Island. That's where I really spent most of my life there. And sure. Island. I went from private school to Manhattan and moved out to Long Island, went to private school from pre-K to the third grade, uh-huh. transferred to public school, and then just and then just went from public school all the way till 12th grade. Are you able to uh, get back there and uh, get some other folks interested in forensic science? Have you gotten are you encouraging some of your friends? And I do. I go back to my high school. I used to be a part of a show choir back, back in okay. high school. But yeah, I would go back and visit my teachers, and my teachers would have me talk to the class and tell them about my experience in college and what to do, what not to do in college, talk about my major and how much I enjoy it, how much I learned from it. And just the professors I've met over the years and... Yeah, just talk about my experience as a college student so that way they can get a feel of what college should be. But I always tell everybody college is what you make it. But always remember why you're there. I go back to my school and just talk to the high school students and just tell them about my experience and what they can expect from attending college. Well, I appreciate not only your exuberance, but your leadership. I, <laughs> you know, one of the things that we're doing in the FTCOE and, ge- and more generally is improve, trying to improve leadership education and dynamics and, you know, emotional intelligence, communication, you know, ethics and all, all those kinds of things. 
and you showed great leadership in terms of uh, trying to bring on that next generation. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I do. I, I love doing community service. I love giving back to my community and just, just being that person to know help others. I'm a real big giver. My mom and dad have raised me to be a big giver. So, sure. You know, I just try to do as much as I can for friends, family, or anybody that, you know, I come in contact with. Well, I hope that we're still going to be doing podcasts in five and ten years. I'd love to have you back because I have a feeling you're going to be doing some big things. (laughs) Thank you. I would would love to come back. My first podcast, this is really fun. (laughs) Well, it's been very fun having you. It's a a great experience, and uh, thank you very much for being on Just Science. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Next week on Just Science, we'll have John Vanderkolk taking listeners back into the philosophy of forensics. If you missed IPTES, you can view the archives at ForensicsCOE.org. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding.